0: Good morning, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Game on. Here we go. Another gear. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Jose. I did meet a few new people this morning. Welcome. There's a lot, but it really does start with basics. So I would encourage you, if you're not yet calling this home, but you want to know more, it's not the join uh, class. It's the find out. And at the end, you may know more and see if the Spirit is leading you. Well, why don't we pray? Because you just heard about 35 things you can do. And let's just focus so we can get our minds set on the scriptures. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for your movement in our world. Lord, we do pray wholeness and wellness and healing uh, for those who are not well in their body right now. Lord, we think about all of our friends who are watching at home right now because they cannot be here for whatever reason. God, we thank you for the gift of technology to stay connected in times where we need to be away. We thank you for the unity of the Holy Spirit that binds us together, whether we're in the room or not. We thank you for breath. We thank you for food and drink this morning, places to go home to, vehicles to get there, uh, employment and education. God, these are gifts from you that we often take for granted, but we want to grow in you and recognize you in all of life and in all things. So God, as we look at the Bible now, we, we invite you to speak to us in ways that humans can't, Use words, God, but you breathe life into our souls, we pray, so that we can know Jesus and see him more cl- clearly and know what to do to follow his way. We pray these things with expectation. And if you believe that, why don't you say it with me, amen. amen. All right, so my heart is filled with expectation and joy because the new year offers all sorts of new possibilities for us. So what we're going to do is, to get ourselves set for the new year is go back. We're going to go back to the series that we started in the fall on the Holy Spirit. And what we did was we took seven weeks. We took a break for Advent, rightfully so, to focus on Jesus. But we had seven weeks where we're starting to unpack who the Holy Spirit is. We learned that he is above, and we're going to see that he is the one who works within. And ultimately, God's goal is that the Holy Spirit would work through us, so that Jesus' mission would continue and that his work would find good ground in the lives of people and that people would be changed. So we're we're gonna go back. Now, I'm gonna assume something. I shared for seven weeks. Actually, I shared for about five to seven. I'm gonna assume you don't remember everything. You don't, you don't, as a matter of fact, I I reread all my messages like, wow, that was pretty brilliant. I don't don't remember, I don't remember what I say. So as a matter of fact, by Sunday night, I'm I'm clueless. I got to read my own notes and I, I watch me on Mondays to figure out what I said. I I literally do. So like, oh wow, that was really good or Jesus, help the boy, help him. (laughs) Um, But what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to recap today who the Holy Spirit is, because some of us are new, or some are forgotten, or repetition matters and is helpful. And then we're going to really dive deep uh, next week and look at new information from the words of Jesus. But what I want to do is, is start by reading the Bible, John 14, if you have your Bible. We're going to look at John 14, 15, 16 over the next three weeks, and look at Jesus' longest, clearest teaching on who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit will do. I just thought, let's read it today and then use today as a framework to get regrounded or if you're newer, to start building that foundation. Uh, Jesus speaking, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare, there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You, you know, he's talking to the disciples, the way to the place that I, where I am going. And Jesus said to him, uh, I'm sorry, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you you have seen him. We will continue to unpack what Jesus said and read all the way down to verse 21. But I want—I thought it would be helpful in light of what Jesus just said there to think through how we live into this as a church. This is review for some. What is the vision? Why are we here? What are we about? We have a phrase that encapsulates what we are about and that guides everything we do in this church. And it is helping people experience life in Jesus. Say it with me. Helping people experience life in Jesus. This is why we're here. And these aren't just words we made up. If you think about it, how are people going to know that Jesus is, quote, the way and the truth and the life? How has anyone in Hillsborough or Beaverton or Portland, wherever you live or wherever you're watching, how are people going to know who Jesus is? Well, Jesus said, and we're going to look, that he's going to bring in a people who are going to continue to share what he was sharing when he was here on earth. Jesus is the way to life with the Father. And so to experience the fullness of life, you have to get reconnected with the one who made you and loves you and knows you. You can exist and not live. You can breathe, but not be fully alive. You can walk and work and spend and die and never experience the fullness. Have you ever met someone with great potential who doesn't bring any of it out? They have it. It's there. And you're like, oh, if they only would tap in. Well, in the larger way, God made us for purposes that are beyond us and he made us for things that we haven't even imagined yet. And what God wants to do in your life is for you to experience life in him. And the way we experience life in him is by receiving Jesus Christ. So God brought us together. And this is your church home, you're part of this family to first experience the life that Jesus offers. Are you? Uh, we're starting a new year and everyone's got new stuff, you know, new new goals and new habits and new failures of habits. That sounded good, but cookies sounded better. You know, like everyone who was saying whole 30 made the whole five. And some of, you are, some of you continue, congratulations. But, um, but we, we all understand the, the goal and the want and then the failing to live up to. But you know what? I'm here to remind you that if you receive the gift of God in Jesus Christ, you will fully live. Not only will you fully live in the now because we're going to see God promised you himself wherever you go, the Holy Spirit, but you're going to you're going to walk in life that lasts forever you are going to be with God jesus said i'm going to prepare a place for you and And I'm coming back. You're going to be where I am. And God's presence is going to reinvade fully. New heaven, new earth. Read the end of the Bible. That's the promise for everyone who follows Jesus Christ. And so we are about experiencing life in Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples, you know the way. And the way is Jesus. So I long for you. This is all just warm up. I long for you to have a deep desire to encounter Jesus day by day. I long that you would want more of him. I long and pray that that you would wake up each day and see it as another opportunity to connect with the one who made you and knows you and loves you. But you know what? Some of us are not even in the place where we want that. Don't have a guilt trip, just keep coming. Keep pressing in. Keep singing the songs, even if you don't believe them yet. Even if they don't seem true to you. Keep asking questions. Keep going to places where truth is being shared. Come to the marriage event. Uh, Come and join a community group. Meet some people who are trying to figure out who Jesus is. We want to help you experience life in Jesus, but we want to experience life in Jesus as well. Okay, so so if that's what Jesus said, he's the way, truth, and life, and that's what we want to live into, right? We want to help people enjoy Jesus as the way, truth, and life. How do we do that practically? Like, where are the handlebars? Where, what do you do? Well, I love it. Jesus continued, and so we'll just continue. Let's start in verse uh, 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father And that will be enough for us. Because Jesus had just said, you know know the Father. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing the work. And I'm going to continue to read. We're going to read a lot. We're going to unpack it over the next few weeks. Believe me, Jesus says, when I say that I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And then this crazy promise. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I'm so tempted to pause here. I will keep going. If you love me, Jesus says, do whatever you want. Okay, good. You're reading. Keep my commands. And... I'll ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will, speaking to the future, will live in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. I'm tempted once again to just stop, drop, and roll. Because this is fire. This is so, this is so, if you if you just memorized and lived into this, your life would never be the same. If you realize that greater things can happen through your life than Jesus did and that you can honor the Father with your life and that you, you can receive from the Spirit all you need, Father, Son, and Spirit working in you. Gosh, you would not live a normal life. Normal would be powerful. I said I was going to keep going, and I didn't. All right, we'll finish it up. On that day, you'll receive, you'll realize, I'm in my Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you, which sounds like a tongue twister, but it is profound. I'm in the Father, says Jesus. You're in me. We're in Jesus, says Jesus. Jesus is in us. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. No one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Okay, there's so much here. Here's what I want to do just for today. We will come back to these things. Here's what I want to do for today. If our vision is to Help people experience life in Jesus. How are we going to do it? Jesus actually tells us. And from what Jesus said, we have a phrase that we use to help guide us into the way of Jesus. And I want to remind you of it. It says, together, we learn to follow Jesus, love one another, and share the good news. Which is a summary statement of what Jesus just said here. Why don't we repeat this together? Together, we learn to follow Jesus... Love one another and share the good news. Learn and love and share. Learn and love and share. Learn. How do we know what Jesus is like? How do we know what Jesus taught? How do we know what Jesus meant? How do we learn to really follow him? Like at work, what does it mean to be a Jesus follower? At home, in in your relationships with your roommate or your parents or your kids, what does it mean to be Jesus-like? How do we live this out? Well, we want to learn together. And Jesus says we're actually going to grow in this because he's given us the spirit. So Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And so the way that we know that we're in the love of God is that we take what God says as important and we move towards it, even if it's imperfect. We're moving in his direction and we're learners. So we want to do this together and we want to help one another. The second thing is we learn to love one another. How does Jesus' love shape the relationships that you're living in? Are you in work tomorrow or in school tomorrow treating people the way Jesus designed for you to treat people? Are you responding to the people you don't like or don't agree with with Jesus' likeness? Are you? Are we? Well, the, the beautiful thing is Jesus says his followers are gonna be in love and loved by the Father and loved by the Son. And how are we gonna experience that and then share that out of the overflow? Not because we're pretending to be Godlike. You ever meet that person who's just trying so hard? It's like it's not in you, man. You're just faking it. We want to be genuinely, deeply loving and compassionate. And other-centered, not because we have to, but because we have been so gripped by the love of God that my view of you has been changed. Not by some preacher, not by some church, but by God himself. Can this really happen? The answer is, it can really happen! And it's happening! But what would it look like if it increased in our lives? So we learn, and we we love. But then we realize... Life's not about us. It's not about just our personal transformation. It is about what God is doing in his beautiful world. And so we we learn to share the good news. Where and how does Jesus want to use you for the good of other people? Paul, one of Jesus' earlier followers and a brilliant thinker, he, he realized his role in life. We are God's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. You're an ambassador. You represent the king. And and what would it look like if you grew in an eagerness to live this way and an excitement about how God is using you and not about a guilt trip about what you're not doing, but seeing the signs of life in and through your life. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, even greater works Are they going to do because he's going to the Father? Here's what I want us to see. Everything Jesus just taught us here, and we haven't haven't scratched the surface yet, everything Jesus taught us here is connected in what he says in John 14 to the work of the Holy Spirit. How are we going to know the Father? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. How are we going to obey the Father's commands? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. How are we going to live in the love of the Father? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And here's what we're going to do. And the reason we took seven weeks just to lay a foundation of who the Holy Spirit is, is because he has been coined by various authors as the forgotten God. We know and understand the concept of God as Father. We know and understand the concept of Jesus' as Son. We see his life. We see what he did. But so many of us, for whatever reason, whether we're new to this whole thing and no one's ever told us anything, or we grew up in a church or tradition where the Father was talked about and the Son was talked about and the Spirit was like rarely ever talked about or discussed. We want to, we want to bring a fullness to our understanding. And so sometimes in life, you need to overcorrect. I'll give you a um, a preview. You're going to hear more about the Holy Spirit this year than you probably even want to just like that screaming child. (laughs) But no, Jose, no! No more HS, man! No, you're gonna hear about the Holy Spirit again and again and again, Not, not at the expense of the Father and the Son, but you're gonna hear so much about the Holy Spirit this year until your mind is so saturated with His great purpose and plan that we're gonna see ourselves as filled with the Holy Spirit energized with the Holy Spirit, empowered and ready to serve and receive all that God has for us. So this year, you're going to hear about it all winter long and all spring long, and we'll probably take a summer break so some of you can get a tan. And, and then when we come back in the fall, I, I, my guess is there'll be more to share because the Bible's filled with the life of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I promised you a review. That's all we're going to do. We had seven weeks with about 35 points. I got it down to three, folks. You are blessed. You are so, like, I'm glad I missed the seven weeks. They're all online if you'd like to review. Um, There's a lot more, but I just narrowed it down to three, like, Big building blocks that would help us that next week when we look at the Holy Spirit working within, we ought to have in view. The first is this. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. Notice in John 14, 16. I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you, notice phrase, be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot Accept him. That's something that's a transaction between people because it neither sees him or knows him. So he's seeable, knowable, but you know him. He lives in you, uh, with you, and will be in you. Uh, who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. The Holy Spirit is relational. Um, the problem with the word spirit is it. we, we categorize it as Immaterial, so Ghostbusters, Force, or some of those endless, ridiculously foolish cable TV shows about the spirits in the room. The, ooh, and the, ah, oh, it's on the door, oh, move! Well, you know all that. That immaterial. We now are there unseen realities that are real. Absolutely, yes. But when we think of the Holy Spirit, we're to think of a person who's knowable and relational so you can partner with the Holy Spirit and achieve God's purposes. You can grieve the Holy Spirit and break the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And by person, we mean capital P. The Holy Spirit is God. God is one. We we spent the whole week on the Trinity. God is one. United. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three distinct persons. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. But at the same token, and this is above our pay grade, they are united and one. They are in relationship one with another. So the Father is doing a work and the Son is doing a work and the Spirit is doing a work in unity, but they are distinct. So the Spirit is eternal No beginning, no end. The Spirit knows all things, just like the Father and just like the Son. The Holy Spirit knows every thought I am thinking. Every word, every action, every attitude. God, the Father knows me. God, the Son knows me. The Spirit is aware of my grief. And some of us think that God is far away. I'm here to remind you, no. The Holy Spirit is acquainted with your suffering and knows the aches and pain, and knows the joys and highs. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit is everywhere, just like the Father and Son. So when Jesus promises his disciples that the Spirit that was with you will be in you, what he was saying was so life-changing. If we just caught hold of this, tomorrow morning when we wake up, if we wake up, I pray God wakes us up. When we wake up and we take a moment to remember God, when I'm in my living room with my loving dog Daisy, who loves Jesus deeply. I don't think she loves Jesus, but she loves to be petted while I pray. Like you know, when when I am there alone, the Spirit of God is with me, and the Spirit of God is with you as you are entering his presence or the spirit is knocking saying, I am here. We you take a moment and ask me what I would like to do in you today. The Holy Spirit is a real person. And so this is, this is pivotal. And, and we also looked at, you say, well, how does this work? We, we know that as as the Bible reveals the very nature of God, that it seems like life comes from the Father. It seems like when you look at the Bible seriously, that that life comes from the Father. The Father initiates, and it comes through the Son. The Son has been given all glory and all authority. The Father has given it to His Son to accomplish the Father's works. And, And we know that the means by which the Father and the Son do the work of God, is through the Holy Spirit. Again, above our pay grade, but what the Bible reveals, we ought to just take as true. God, the Father, Son, and Spirit are working in and through you. But here's why this is important. The scripture has revealed, and Jesus tells us, we need to remember the work of the Spirit because the things that the Father wants to do through the Son in your life will happen by means of the Holy Spirit. And so to ignore the Holy Spirit is to ignore the very person that God has given us to accomplish his great purposes, and we don't want to be those people. So because of all of that, we have decided to put the series in three sections. The Holy Spirit above, we looked at that, just foundation. We looked at Genesis all the way to to Revelation, where you see the work of the Holy Spirit and how it's changed over time. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters of creation. The Holy Spirit is at work in God's people, call Israel individuals. The Holy Spirit comes on. And then uniquely things change when Jesus comes. And we'll look at that in a minute. And then when you look at Jesus' resurrection and ascension, if you read the themes of the Bible and read the Bible carefully, you're going to realize that the Holy Spirit is now doing something so unique because he is revealing Jesus to us in ways we would otherwise never comprehend. And so as the Holy Spirit is doing all of these things, now in the life of Jesus' people, he is creating us, Jesus' likeness. He is working in us. So the Holy Spirit above, the Holy Spirit now within. We'll look at this over the next few months. What did Jesus say would happen when the Holy Spirit came? We're going to look at that. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's a phrase that's used all the time. What is that actually? What does that mean? And am I baptized in the Holy Spirit? Am I not? What does that mean? And what does that look like? And, and I'm confused. Join the club. What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? What is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work? And is this something I do or God does for me? Or is it both and? I don't know. Show up. We'll figure it out by then. And how do we grow? That was a joke. How do we grow in an awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence? How do we learn to discern God's voice, if I can use that phrase? God's speaking. God's moving God's direction. How, how do I actually know it's happening? Can I know? Can I grow in that? Can I accelerate growth and change? Or do I have to stay stuck? Uh, we're going to look at all of those things. And then finally, around Easter and forward, we're going to look at what the Holy Spirit wants to do through His people for transformation and good in the world. Okay, all that was under number one the Holy Spirit is a person not a force. I told you it was three points, but they're like three deep, okay? All right, second thing I want us to remember, so the Holy Spirit's a person, not a force. Second thing is the Holy Spirit is central to Jesus's birth and our rebirth. Um, what the Holy Spirit is doing before Jesus, now we see the fullness of what he's doing in Jesus, and we lo- we looked carefully. Zacchaeus and Elizabeth could not have a child, and the Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth, and she conceived by a work of God, a boy. And and here's what happened. The Holy Spirit came upon John the Baptist while he was still in his mother's womb. So when Mary walks in, John kicks mom in the womb because somehow he is aware that the Messiah is coming through this woman. Mary and Joseph are not even married yet, but... The angel of the Lord comes and says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will give birth to a son. So the Holy Spirit who's active in creation, that same spirit is at work in the miraculous coming of the son, Jesus. And, and, and why does that matter? Because when we realize the Holy Spirit is initiating the birth of Jesus, we realize that what Jesus says is, is going to happen because it happened to him. What did Jesus say? John 3, verse 5-7. through 7. Jesus, in talking with Nicodemus, says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Holy Spirit, I'm adding the word holy because it's here it's referring to the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at all when I say you must be born again. So God is at work in the son. The Father is at work in the son by means of the Holy Spirit bringing about Jesus's life. And now in his people, in you when we place our trust in Jesus, somehow we are reborn. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit of God, just like he came upon uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, just like it came upon Mary, just, just like he came upon and brought about the birth of the Son, Jesus Christ. The Spirit comes upon us in a way that I cannot fully explain, but I believe to be true, and He reshapes my soul. I can now know the mind of God. I can receive, I can see God for who He is. In part, it happens slowly. You don't become God. You don't become as smart as God, but you become God-sensitive. He removes the shame of my past. I am a new person altogether because the Holy Spirit has regenerated me. He's regenerated me from the deepest DNA of my life. I now am alive to God. I am a new person. This is good news, friends. And we want to help people experience this kind of life that's in Jesus because he's regenerated us, because he's renewed us, because he's filling us, because he's transforming us, we want to be the kind of people who say, look, taste and see. The Lord is really, really, really good. So the Spirit, we need to remember, the Spirit is the one bringing about the birth of Jesus and our rebirth. Third thing, and we're almost done. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to fulfill his life in mission. And this is, to me, when I really got a hold of this, this is like one of those revolutionary thoughts. I forever really thought, honestly thought, yeah, you gotta discount Jesus. You know, like if you think of what are your favorite athletes or whoever they, maybe LeBron or some other athlete in another sport, when you got like the best of the best of the best, don't you almost discount them? Because, like, yeah, they don't, they're not human. Like, you just, you don't, like, I can never be them because they're just like super human. So I I, I look up to a more normal athlete. Well, when it comes to all that you see in the Bible, I thought forever like, okay, Jesus did this stuff because he's God, right? Like he's God, like he's God the son. So of course he can open blind eyes. Of course he can like, like still the, the, the wrestling and rumbling waters and speak to the wind and the wind is gone. Of course he can raise the dead until I read the rest of the Bible and realize other people did that before Jesus and after Jesus. You ever make that connection? The things that Jesus did, God used people before the prophets, Moses, and after the apostles and onward. And when I realized that it was, no, Jesus lived a spirit-filled life. Jesus was a real human, fully full of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And catch all the fulls. A full spirit-filled. So he never sinned. Always breathing in the life of the Holy Spirit. Always listening to the voice of the Father. Always submitting himself. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Always attentive. I have to go to these villages. But, but Simon's like, Jesus, you need to stay here. They keep calling on you. There's more people to be saved. like, no, we're packing up. We're moving on because the Father has a mission for me elsewhere. Jesus is fully full, to the full of the Holy Spirit. And and because he lives a spirit-filled life, all that the Father wants to do is done through the Son perfectly unlike anyone else, let me be clear. But Jesus happens to be the role model, the template for your life and my life right now. I'm a Jesus follower, which means more and more God wants me to be led by, guided by, saturated with, listening to, the voice of the Holy Spirit, so that I can be about the Father's works that are done through the Son by the means of the Holy Spirit in my life and yours. And let me be crystal clear. You do not need a degree in theology to be activated to the power of the Holy Spirit. You do not need a job at a church. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't recommend it. Except for our team, I love you. But I wouldn't recommend it. Because if you do that, you might think, that's what did it. I got the degree. I finished the class. I got the job. I have the role. No. If you are breathing and have the Holy Spirit, anything is possible. Anything. Now I'm not saying God will do everything through you, so calm down. Like calm. some of you are like, yeah, anything though is possible. If the Spirit wants to do it, guess what? He can use you without a title. And so, what would it look like if we were all awakened to that? Now, a couple things about Jesus that you need to remember that the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit. The first thing the Holy Spirit did was come upon Jesus in his baptism. And so, this is this is why we call people to follow Jesus. There is a beginning, and in Jesus' life, you don't see Jesus doing these public works until his baptism in water, and the Spirit comes and descends upon him like a dove and rests on him, and for the rest of Jesus' life, there is a fullness of the Spirit at work that you don't see prior to that, and so now, now this is where it gets confusing, what wait a minute. Was the Holy Spirit not with him beforehand? Yes, he and the Father and the Spirit are one. But there is a work that happens when Jesus goes into the water and comes out. And so there is the beginning of life in the Spirit for you. And and for us, that is to receive Jesus Christ. And when you receive Jesus Christ, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit and the newness begins. I would encourage you that the newness leads to Jesus' words, obey my commands. Those who love me, obey my commands. And like Stephen was saying earlier, maybe the right response for you this morning is, I want to be filled with the life of God. I want to be useful to God. I want to, I want to know his presence. As long as you live a disobedient life, you will frustrate and limit the work of the Spirit in your life. You will. It's not that God is uh, wanting to limit it you're saying, no, Jesus couldn't do many miracles in his hometown because they didn't trust him. You're saying that Jesus couldn't? Well, we know he didn't do many miracles in his own hometown because they didn't believe who he was. So there is something about our response to God that actually matters. The Spirit wants to move through you freely. So please, if you've not yet been baptized, in water. This isn't a guilt trip, it's an invitation to life. Obey what you know. Repent and be baptized. And maybe that's the place to begin. Okay, so you've already done that. Know this the Spirit, right after the baptism of Jesus, expels or casts Jesus into the desert for a season of testing. Just because you receive the Holy Spirit does not mean your life will go easy, it will be filled with trial and trouble. And it's the Spirit who is with Jesus in his 40 days of testing and tempting. And it's the presence of the Spirit with him that brings him through. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that reminds Jesus, the Son, the words of the Bible when the devil comes to tempt him. And Jesus responds with Spirit-inspired words. The words of the Bible are birthed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing the words of God to our attention and to our mind. So this year may be horrific for you. How's that for a prediction? It may be. Being filled with the Spirit, knowing the Spirit's work, does not mean a guaranteed easy life. It means that the life of God is with you in joy and in sorrow. And the Spirit will enable you to follow Jesus through it. And then the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus to accomplish the Father's work. We looked at that. That was our last, our seventh uh, uh, teaching, And it's one that ended with a little bit of a cliffhanger because what's the anointing that Jesus receives? Well, it's Isaiah 61. It's to proclaim good news, to release people who are in captivity from evil powers. It's to heal and set people free. And so people in real time experience the liberation of the life of God while Jesus was walking the planet. And this was all a work of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is working through the Son to see people who could not walk, walk again. And the scandalous continuation of that, which freaks out many people, I don't know why. I, I literally don't know why. But this is a major stumbling block for loving Jesus followers, is the connection between the work that Jesus was doing, which was greater than all the work before Jesus, by the way. Healing is all over the Bible. Jesus uh, is at work, but before him there was healing of people before Jesus, and there was healing and transformation of people's lives during the life of Jesus. and then after Jesus, you see it clearly in Jesus' followers throughout the book of Acts and all of the letters that are written to churches. the God who brings wholeness is the God who brings wholeness is the God who brings wholeness. But somehow for many of us, there's been like that disconnect, like wait a minute. so God wants to do that kind of thing and in this world today, through his people? And the answer is an unequivocal yes. An unequivocal yes. Now, I think some of us knew, like, well, okay, can you give me some more disclaimers? Here's the disclaimer God may not do everything through you, but God may want to do more through you than you think. And if you're, if you're willing to have that open posture of an open hand to say, God, I'm not, I'm freaked out by all of this, I don't even, uh, half of me doesn't even want any of this. But if you want to bring wholeness to someone else's life by me calling on your name and inviting you to be God in their world, I would be willing to be used in that way. Then you might experience the goodness of God in ways that will give honor to the Father and the Son and the Spirit and life to the person around you. What would it look like if when we found out that someone in our community group was ill, um, we didn't just say, oh, I got a specialist who I would recommend because they were amazing with me, and my insurance covered most of it, and you know, which is all, that's good. What if our first response was, well, why don't we invite God to come and be God in that situation too? I'm not saying the other part isn't important, but I'm saying for many of us, we're We're falling short of letting God be God in ways he wants to be. By our own skepticism, because we've seen a few TV channels that have spooked us out. Or you've been a part of churches where it's been like, I went there and it was crazier than the zoo. And for that, I deeply apologize. But it doesn't have to be that way. It could be super normal. Jesus, would you be all that they need and bring wholeness and healing. Amen. Walk away. It could be that simple. But I think there's room for us to grow in learning to cooperate with what God wants to do in people's lives. And I know that things will change. Okay, now that a few are freaked out, let's go to the conclusion. More. Uh, This is what we're asked for. More. More of God's presence and power that we would know God more for who he is, that our minds would be enlarged, that our spirit would be filled with who he is, more of his presence. How do we we lean in this direction? Three things I'm asking you to do, super practical, and one of them starts in two weeks. Um, We're going to do periodically, about every other month, uh, these seek nights. Why? Why, why do that? Because when we come, we gather, we sing, there's teaching, the kids are in their room, we have a limited time. But what would it look like to periodically come into a space with not a massive agenda other than to be with God and his people? No teaching, but more time for worship, for prayer, for reflection, more time for one another, to listen to one another, to bring things to God together, more time to experiment in in the best sense of the word, to give space to pray for someone in an area that's safe and is not weird and is normal, to learn practical skills and how to love people and invite God's presence. So January 22nd, I just invite you to all come with an open mind and an open heart to receive from God. Just know this, we're praying about those times, we're not scripting them. So it's not like we're gonna come and hoodwink you, right? No, we're just giving space. God, we're purposely setting this time for you to work in a deep way in our lives. Second thing, community groups, definitely get in one for the winter and spring because I've lined up the teachings where it may be new information, or like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Well, the best learning happens when you talk about things, not when you just listen. So join in because the conversation and asking questions and, and pressing into new learning, that's gonna happen in our winter and our spring session. So please be a part of that. And then the third thing is ask your question and ask it boldly. Uh, we're gonna have up on the main page, it's on our site, it's a little hard to find, but in the next couple of days, where what's your question about the Holy Spirit? And we're gonna address all of them here. So if it's important to you and it's unclear or you're not so sure, please ask and we'll either do an entire teaching on it or we'll just address it at the beginning of our teaching time so that you get the answers to the questions you have. Novel idea. All right, why don't you stand on your feet and let's respond in worship uh, to Jesus. We want to invite the Holy Spirit to bring the will of the Father that is through the Son into our real world. And so we do that by singing songs of praise inviting God to be God Thinking Godward and saying, Lord, have your way. We, we do that by praying one for another. So uh, some of you are newer. We have an area in the back with a few chairs. And some of our team during this song will slip out and stand there. If you want prayer for anything, don't wait. Just slip out during a song or when people go to get communion and have a brother or sister pray for you. And um, we respond with generosity. If you love me, obey my commands. And we know that God commanded, if you give, if you give liberally, why? Because God's kingdom matters. All the things you're worried about, Matthew 6, what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna wear, you seek God first in his kingdom and the rest will be added to you. So we respond with obedience to the things that we know and we trust God with the rest. So, Lord, have your way. God, those who are ill in body, bring wholeness, we pray. Holy Spirit of God, bring healing now to those who need it. Restore things that have been broken in mind, in soul, in body, whatever it is, in relational tension. God, bring wholeness. Holy Spirit, bring the life of God to your people, we pray. And as we lift our voices to you, God, we want to cast our cares on you because you care for us. Receive the praise that is due your name. In Jesus' name, amen.